worship director here, as Annie mentioned. I also am the student director here. I lead our student ministry campfires, uh, which is awesome. And uh, that's my wife, Elizabeth, right there. And yeah, give it up for Elizabeth. And uh, as long as they're all clapping, at the risk of distracting from my message, some of you know this, but Elizabeth is pregnant. She's doing September, so that's really exciting. Uh, so be praying for me. I'm going to be a dad, apparently. So that's uh, that's some crazy stuff. Um, but I want to start like this. We're gonna I'm going to do a little bit of a poll with you all, and I'm going to ask you to get a little vulnerable. All right. So if we're okay with getting a little vulnerable this morning, as Annie mentioned, Planet Fitness. This is a judgment-free zone. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're not here to judge each other. But we're gonna we're gonna do a poll. So I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands. So I want you to raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution this year. Any New Year's resolutions? Do you know where this is going? Keep those hands up. It's March. I want you to keep that hand up if you're still on your New Year's resolution. Ooh, I saw a couple drop there. All right. Anyone ever made a New Year's resolution? Yeah, and have you kept those? <laughs> All right. Uh, how about this? How about this? Anybody share now a gym membership? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if you've gone to the gym in the last month. Ooh. All right. It's good. No judgment. No judgment. How about this one? We started a, uh, a church Bible plan. Anybody sign up for the Bible plan? Join the Bible plan. Start the Bible plan. Keep your hand up if you are still on it. Ooh, we lost a few more. How about this one? Uh, you ever been talking to someone and they mention something that's going on and you say, I'll pray for you. Anyone ever said that? I'll pray for you. Keep your hand up if every time you've prayed for that person. Ooh, and they drop like flies. So <laughs> we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, but, but we're going to start with a, a scripture this morning. We'll all find out why I did that in a little bit. Um, but something we like to do at campfires, at our student ministry, is that we stand when we read the scripture. So if you want to stand with me, and then Jack, if you want to throw up the Matthew 26 passage. Awesome. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. 
So he left him and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Let's pray. God, we just honor you as holy this morning. And I just pray that, that uh, my words would not be my own this morning, but they would be your words. We pray that you would speak to each and every one of us this morning. We need you. We need your truth. We need your spirit. Come be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So today... We're going to be looking at three stories all out of Matthew 26. And uh, we were actually, we had this, this chapter in the reading plan, and I, I read it. And the way these three stories that are all in this chapter just connected together just jumped out at me. It was so cool. And this is what's so cool about the Bible is I feel like I grew up in like a verse culture. Everything was about like, what's your favorite Bible verse? What's your life verse? What's like, the verse you go to when this happens. What verse should I read when that happens? And there's nothing wrong with that. Verses are great. But when you look at, you know, the two verses next to each other or look at two stories that are next to each other, these things just jump out at you. They're so cool. So we're going to be looking at that today. And all these stories involve Peter. Peter, the disciple. And, and Peter was a fisherman, right? And Jesus invited him to, to follow him. And Peter is this guy who's full of passion. He's full of zeal, and he's, he's ready to, to do whatever for Jesus, and he's so excited, but he's often misguided, and he often jumps to conclusions a little early, but he's just a little misdirected, but he's, he's so passionate about Jesus, and so we're going to be looking at three stories uh, from the, that's in around Peter in Matthew 26, and the first story, masked up to my the first story is, I'm going to call it the setup. And this takes place at the Lord's Supper. So the, Jesus and the disciples are in the upper room. They've just, you know, had the, the bread and the wine, that famous scene. They're all talking. You know, it says they sing a hymn together. So that's kind of cool. They're all, uh, they're all together. And then it says this. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. Buzzkill. <laughs> For it is written, I will strike the shepherd. And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So Jesus tells them, you're going to fall away from me. Peter says, I will never fall away from you, even if everybody else does, full of passion. Jesus says, this very night, you'll deny me three times. He says, I would die with you before I did that. So we're going to fast forward. That was story one, the setup. Now we're going to go to story number three. This is the conclusion. This takes place after Jesus has been taken away. He's going to be hung on the cross. And it says this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. 
Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him. And he said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. He went outside and wept bitterly. So Jesus, Peter was full of zeal, and then we see this scene where he, where he falls. He, he does deny Jesus. So we have this setup. He says, I'll never do this. We have the conclusion. He does it. And now we're going to look at the story in between, and I'm calling this the hinge. It's the hinge that everything rests on. And it's the passage that we opened up with. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where Jesus is, is in agony. And he takes Peter and James and John, and they're, they're in the garden. And, and Jesus is just torn up. He's in agony. He's crying out to God, if there's any way for this to not happen, if there's any way for me to not have to go on the cross, let it be, but your will be done. Jesus is having this existential crisis. And he's asking Peter and James and John to stay awake. And meanwhile, they keep falling asleep. And so he, Jesus goes to them, and he says, Couldn't you men keep watch with me one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is what Jesus says to Peter. And this is what's so cool about the Bible. I've always, I've always read that as just Jesus is talking about Peter and the disciples falling asleep. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Watch and pray that you won't fall into temptation. Then I start thinking that. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. Jesus had just told Peter, you're going to deny me. Jesus knows that Peter's about to be tested. And he's telling him to pray that you won't fall into temptation. Which is basically a quote of, of the Lord's prayer. Lead us not into temptation. He's, he's telling him to pray that you won't fall into temptation. Because your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And Peter doesn't pray. He doesn't pray. He keeps falling asleep. And lo and behold, he enters into this hour of temptation. You know, the people walk up to him. Weren't you with Jesus? Your accent gives you away. No, 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 I wasn't. He falls into temptation. And it begs the question, what would have happened if, if, if Peter would have prayed there? What would have happened and I don't want to speculate, but I think it's, it's clear that, that there is something to this idea of, of praying that we won't fall into temptation. You know, I think there's a lot of reasons that we pray. We, we, we pray for, you know, things going on a lot. We, we pray before a meal. We give God, we give God thanks. We, we pray that, you know, people will be healed. We pray when someone's sick. But the reason that Jesus gives Peter to pray is because his spirit is willing, but his flesh is weak. This is Peter, right? Full of zeal, but deeply human. Full of zeal. Even if I have to die, I won't disown you. But deeply human. I don't know him. Have you ever felt like this? You know, I gave some 
lighter examples in the beginning. You know, the New Year's resolutions we make, the gym memberships we sign up for. I'll pray for you. You know, these things. You know, I, I think about it. I feel like this is my MO in life. <laughs> I think about it every time I go on a run. Every time I start a run, I'm like, today's the day. I'm doing 10 miles. I'm going to go out and do a long run. I get like a mile, two miles, and I'm like, eh, I think two's fine, three's fine. You know, you give up easy. Uh, how about travel plans? You know, I, I'm like a big dreamer. You know, so you ever think of those places like, I really want to go to this place. I really want to go here. And then the years go by, and it's like, you haven't made one step to go to that place. I knew this girl who, she would always tell everyone, one day I'm going to climb Mount Everest. Said it all the time. One day, that's my bucket list. I'm going to climb Mount Everest. One day I asked her, I'm like, Michaela, have you ever, not the Michaela that you all know, by the way. I don't want to out her right now. It, it was a different Michaela. Anyways, I said, <laughs> Michaela, have you ever gone on a hike? And she's like, no. Never been on a mountain. Never gone on a hike. Made no steps, but she's going to climb Mount Everest. Not going to happen, Michaela. So I, I think this is something we, we all do a lot, where our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. We, make, we have these big plans. We get these moments where we're passionate. I want to do this. I want to do that. But then when push comes to shove, it's like, eh, it's easier to just not do this. How about some more serious examples? I, I think a lot of this, this is how our walk with Christ feels. It's like, we hear Jesus' teaching. We hear what he says. We you know, things in the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings that Jesus gives, and we're like, yes, that is, that is right. That's what the right thing to do is. Something like, love your neighbor. And we're like, yes, that's so good. If everyone were to just love their neighbor, if everybody treated each other the way they want to be treated, the world would just be such a better place. But then, like, we, we start to try to do it, and I can't even love my wife well at the time, let alone my neighbor, let alone my coworker who has dumb political beliefs, or, you know, the person who's loud when they chew. That's me with my wife. You know, like, people just get on our nerves, and we try to love our neighbor. It's like, I can't even make it on my door and still be loving my neighbor. And so this is what happens. You know, we, we might have these, these things, these habits in our lives that, that we just... We just want to let go of. We just wish we didn't do this. We wish we weren't like it. It seems like we, we have these moments where we're like, I'm never going to do that again. And then we just find ourselves hitting that. The flesh is weak. You know, it, it, it could be anger. It, it could be an unhealthy relationship with alcohol or food. It could be pornography, anxiety, stress, fear, gossip, depression, insecurity. Agree. I was talking to a friend, they were dealing with anxiety. They said, I know all the verses, but I just can't live it out. I know all the things you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be worried. You're supposed to, you know, think of the birds. You're supposed to give thanks, you know, but I just find myself keep falling into that. Paul feels like this. And uh, these are, these verses make you feel worse than maybe any other Bible verse, so you're welcome. Uh, this is Romans 7. This is Paul writing. He says, I do not understand what I do. Romans 7. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. 
that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Anybody feel bad right now? Me and my friend Sam would call these the do-do verses because he says do a lot, I do what I do not want to do, and they make you feel like doo-doo. It's a poop joke. I'm 25. Give me a break. You ever feel like this? So what do we do about this? What do we do about this human condition that we have all these aspirations? We, we have the person we want to be, but it feels like there's this big chasm between the person we want to be and the person we are. So what do we do about this? Well, that's a really big question. You're not going to get a celebrated answer this morning. But I think we can figure out some things from this passage. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First thing he says is watch. Some translations say stay awake. The disciples keep falling asleep. They're distracted. I feel like that's what the sleep is in this story. They're, they're just getting distracted. They don't recognize what's going on. Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world, and they're falling asleep. They, they are just totally oblivious to what's going on. And I feel like that's a lot of us sometimes. We might not even feel like we have a willing spirit. Maybe we used to, we can remember a time we did, but we've just fallen down so many times it just hurts too much, and we're just, we just let ourselves be numb to it now. We're just asleep to it. We don't even want to think about it. We're distracted. There's a, a song we sing here sometimes called Awake My Soul. It says, Awake My Soul and Sing. Sing His Praise Out Loud. And the second verse says, Awake uh, oh, up, you slumbering. It's time to worship Him. I feel like some of us are just in a daze. We're, we're not awake to reality. It's easy to get distracted with so many things and we just lose sight of what this is all about. And the second thing Jesus says is pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Again, we think of prayer. We, we pray for all these different things. You know, we, we pray for other people to, to be healed or when someone's sick, all, all these things. But how often do we pray that, that we don't fall into temptation? How often do we we pray that we would be able to, to live out what Jesus has taught. We clearly need this. Jesus is, is telling Peter, you need to pray because even though you have a willing spirit, your flesh is weak. But the good thing is, is that that's not the end of the story. Our, our weak flesh is not where we're left. Jesus doesn't leave us like that. And after Jesus goes up on the cross, he rises again, he conquers death, he brings new life, and he visits Peter and the disciples, and he tells them, you're going to receive the Spirit from me, the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples and Peter, they gather together, and they pray, and they wait, and they wait, and they pray for ten days, and then the Holy Spirit comes down on them 
Acts 2. It's amazing. There's, there's a rush of wind. There's pillars of fire over them. And they start saying the gospel in, in languages they don't even speak. And people hear it. And then what happens is Peter, Peter, Mr. Flesh and Sweet Peter, stands up and, and he proclaims the gospel to these people. And he preaches. And all through Acts, you see this new Peter. You see this Peter who's not just, you know, spirit is willing. He's not just full of zeal, but he's actually living it out. He's He's bringing thousands to Jesus. He's performing miracles. He's doing all these things for the kingdom. We see this brand new Peter and the differences. He has the Holy Spirit. They waited and they prayed. And they have the Holy Spirit in them. Now there are a lot of different views in how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is a really mysterious and confusing thing. And in scripture we see the disciples they, they start following Jesus, but it's not until after Jesus, you know, is resurrected that they receive the Holy Spirit. But then we, we see other teaching where, you know, you receive the Holy Spirit once you're saved. Some people believe you, you're filled with the Holy Spirit when you're saved, and then there's a, a separate event where you're empowered. They call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That happens after. Other people see it as more of a gradual process here. When you receive Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, but then you kind of grow in that allowing more and more of the Holy Spirit as you walk with Him. There's different views. It's not really clear in Scripture. The Holy Spirit's mysterious. You can't put Him in a box. But what is clear is that we need the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit is there, and people make room for Him, and people pursue the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Paul totally agrees that, that the Holy Spirit is the answer to this because he follows up his depressing Romans 7 with Romans 8, where he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free, free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in likeness of sinful flesh, to be sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus put to death the flesh, and then he gave us the spirit. It says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. We need to organize our lives in pursuit of the Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit in order to live out the, Christ, the life that Christ has for us. Our denomination, we... Uh, we're part of two denominations, dual denominational backing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but uh, the, the four C's, they have this in their statement of faith. It says, we believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, by whose indwelling power and fullness the Christian is enabled to live a godly life in this present evil world. I love that. The Holy Spirit is what empowers us to live a godly life in the evil world. We hear the teachings of Jesus. We hear the Sermon on the Mount. We hear these things. And we say, I want to do that. 
but it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live out. Jesus gives us a vision of what kingdom living is. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to do it. We even see the importance of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Early on in Matthew, before Jesus starts his ministry, he's brought into the wilderness and he's tested by the devil. And before he enters his hour of temptation, John baptizes him and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and he receives the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus goes into the wilderness and he, he fasts for 40 days to prepare for this moment of temptation. That leads us to my third point, which is this can't just be a one-time thing, but we have to organize our lives around the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. We need to constantly be coming back to Him and allowing the Holy Spirit more control in our life, seeking Him more so that we can look more like Jesus. You know, Andy talked about last week the glimpse versus the gaze. We have these, these moments in our life where we have a glimpse of God and it's this powerful moment. And it can, it can get us fired up for a little bit, but eventually we kind of lose sight of that. But what we need to be doing, he was saying, is, is be gazing, be gazing at God, this consistent thing. And I think that's what we gotta be doing with the Holy Spirit. We talked about some of this in our, our Rhythms of Rest session that we just went through. Talking about all these spiritual practices. You know, practice makes perfect. The spiritual practices are these ways to, to practice relying on the Holy Spirit. Practice making room for God so that we can go out and do it more in our lives. We talked about silence and solitude and Sabbath and simplicity. And all of these things are about making more room for pursuing the Holy Spirit. And we're doing it together now, this gathering on Sunday morning, where we come together, where we worship, where we seek God together, we seek the Holy Spirit. We need these, these rhythms, these, these practices, these times where we're pursuing the Holy Spirit. I mentioned fasting, and, and it's so interesting that before Jesus is tempted, he fasts for 40 days. You think Jesus is God. Why? Why did he need to not eat for 40 days before his hour of temptation? Why did he do that? There's got to be a reason. There's something there. And fasting is this powerful tool. It's a powerful spiritual practice because it allows us to practice denying our desires to choose God. And what do we desire more than food? Every time I've fasted, I am miserable to be around. I'm so hangry. I, I am the hangriest person. I get hangry so quick. I'm talking about myself. I didn't say anything about my pregnant wife. She has never been hangry once, I promise. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, without food, we desire it so much we need it. So there's something so powerful about taking a, a, a period of time and saying, God, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray during this time because I desire your will over mine. The, the early Christians, they fasted every Wednesday and every Friday, twice a week, every single week. It was just what you did. You're a Christian, Wednesday and Friday you fast. And I think we should, we should get back to incorporating fasting. 
I think sometimes, you know, when, when people do fast, it's like more of this thing of like, there's this big thing going on, and I want to make sure I'm making the right decision, and so we do this bigger faster. And I think that's great. Maybe we're trying to really get God to answer prayer. But I, I think the rhythm we just see from the early Christians is they just they just have a rhythm of doing it, and it's about practicing denying their desires so that they can choose the will of God when they go out into their life. You know? So, what do we do about this problem? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. First, we watch. We stay awake. We wake up. Second, we pray. We desire the Holy Spirit. And lastly, we build our life around the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. The band can come up. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tell one more story. A couple weeks ago, we we um, we had a service where we just remembered the life of Ellie, and we uh, we just took some time to to mourn. Um, you know, Ellie Bauer passed away a little over a year ago, and it was such a, a heartbreaking time. And um, I played a song that I had written kind of a, about the experience and there were so many people praying and, and there were a group of us that, that were at the Bowery Shed and um, we just came over one day to, to just pray and worship and we just were there for for hours and then you know we would go home and then the next day someone text out okay today we're going to go at 6 and we come back and we pray and we worship, we go home, and then someone else would say, all right, today's five. And we did this every day for, for over a week. And we just prayed, and we worshiped, and we worshiped, and we prayed. And something amazing happened during that time. Everyone who, who was around that, who was there for that, just, just has these stories of, just feeling like they got a glimpse of heaven. Just feeling like they were they were in the throne room of God, that they've never felt the Holy Spirit more. That as we were mourning, there was just, they just felt comfort like they've never felt before. They felt peace like they've never felt it. They felt hope like they've never felt it. There were people who had visions, visions after the fact of, of Ellie in, in her father's arms, in heaven, in her heavenly father's arms. These, these amazing things happened and, and it was this moment where it felt like heaven came down. And I can't help but think that the reason why that was such a, a tangible moment of, of heaven touching earth is because people were just seeking out God like they never had before. We were so desperate. We're at the end of our road. Our flesh was weak. There was nothing we could do in our own power. We had no choice to white knuckle. All we could do was rely on the Holy Spirit. All we could do was, was ask for him to come. And I believe he did. And I, I have so many questions from that time. But one of them is... Why, why does this have to, have to happen for us to desire the Holy Spirit like that? 
Aren't there enough reasons that we need him? You know, we talked about what's going on in Ukraine right now. It's a situation where the flesh can't do anything. We need the Holy Spirit. And we think about different things going on in our country, in our world, in our communities, in our families. We just think about our own inability to live out the life of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. What if we desired him in that way all the time? What if we had that awareness to our need for him? What if we had that dependence on the Holy Spirit in everything? What if we woke up and we desired him and we made room for him and we got together and we prayed that the Holy Spirit would come? We prayed that we'd be able to stand in our hours of temptation. We prayed that we'd be able to have our lives look like Jesus, that people would know us by our love, that, that we would really be the hands and feet of Jesus, that the church would, would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would be able to transform our community, transform the world around us. What if we got our, on our knees and we committed to pray, and we prayed, and we waited, and we waited, and we prayed? What would happen? What would happen if we desired the Holy Spirit like that? If we desired God like that? So I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to pray for us. And the worship band's going to do two songs this morning. Because I'm a worship guy and I can do that. And I just want to invite us to just wake up this morning and to desire the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Lord God, we just confess right now for the ways that we've missed it, for the ways we had all the intentions. We, we wanted so bad to do the right thing for, for all the times where where we've just, we've sworn I'll never do that again, and then we fall back into that thing that, that, that hurts us and hurts the ones we love. We just confess that now, God. Right now, we, we put our hope in your cross, Lord, that you've put death to death, that when we believe in you, we are dead to our flesh, we're dead to our sin, and we can receive your new life, your spirit, your Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and that it would transform us, that it would transform our church, transform our families, our communities, our country, our world, Lord. We pray, send your Holy Spirit. God, let us be your broken vessels, Lord. We pray John's prayer, more of you, God, and less of me. Have your way, God. Have your way. We just ask that the Holy Spirit would give us the strength and the power and the boldness to live out the, the life that Christ has laid out for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.